Hey everybody and welcome back to the Small Town Nerdcast. I am your host Brian and it is now October. (laughs) I was trying to be spooky. It's the spooky month. Hopefully you guys enjoyed last month, my birthday month, where we talked about all my favorite cartoons growing up. Now we roll into October or Spooktober or whatever the hell-tober you want to call it, where I'm going to share with you Texas ghost stories throughout the month. Some of my favorites, some that I've just learned about this month, and so we'll, I don't know, we'll have some fun with it, man. Um, I've always been fascinated by Texas ghost stories, and so that's why I wanted to share in some of the stories that I've found or some of the stories that I've always heard growing up kind of stuff, and so hopefully you guys enjoy it. And what's funny, though, I hate scary movies. I hate, I hate being scared, but for some reason, if it's about... Texas ghosts or something like that fascinates me or usually it's about Texas history and so that's always kind of like Fascinating in a way so I'm more fascinated by the Texas part than scared by the Scary part of it all, you know, so I think that's why I'm able to Do and then like I'm the one telling the story in a way, you know, well, I mean these are true stories I'm not making these up like so, you know, because it's coming from me to you It doesn't spook me out quite as much, I guess, so there you go. But, hey, if there's a spooky story that you know of or like a Texas ghost story that maybe you enjoy or want to hear me talk about and delve into, please let me know. Hit me up on all my Instagrams or all my social medias like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube, Facebook, you know where to find me. It's on the page. It's everywhere. You can even uh, put comments on Podbean and I'll see them there or wherever you uh, listen to the podcast episodes. I'll be able to find your comments and I'll be able to track you down and make fun of you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. And what's always great, you know, like, like the thing about ghost stories, man, is sometimes they're just so crazy, so over the top, but sometimes there's just... A little bit of uh, like just a teeny weeny enough truth to really get you uh, through the story because something like I don't know like there was a story that we were always told for my hometown and there was this road that was haunted I remember my cousin first telling me this story where like one of his friends who lived on the road once saw his dad just out in the yard swinging on the swing set but he thought that was really strange because his dad had died years ago. So it was like the ghost of his dad was swinging on the swing set. And this is something like my cousin told me. And this road, like, it's just on the outside of town, or like hits right into town where the old high, near the old high school, but then goes off into the country. And it's, it's a country road, like a farm, farm to market road, an FM, whatever you want to call it. And from, what people have said when I've always asked, like, well, what's down there? Like, what was down there? Some people say, well, there used to be, like, clan meetings down that road, and they would, like, burn crosses out in the fields, and, like, they don't know if they killed people out there, but they assume so, and things like that. So it was kind of like this scary thing, and it always made me scary to drive on that road at night. In fact, one time I did drive on that road at night with a girlfriend and uh, got into a car accident, because uh, kids will be kids, and we were being stupid. Not like crazy. Kids will be kids, too. Like, we were trying to make out while driving, and uh, ended up 
going off the road and luckily we both were unhurt in any way shape or form cannot say the same for my car but maybe that was the ghost of that road protecting me although maybe it was more protecting her because she was white i was mexican and i doubt racist ghosts would protect me (laughs) but yeah um so that was like one of the stories and we always loved hearing about that story and like it would just escalate and escalate to like there was alien sightings and actual murders and cross burnings and like everyone would have their own version of why that road is haunted and things that they've seen on that road and like people walking across or standing on the side of it and so they always kind of gave you the chills a little bit but it was always kind of a neat uh, and made you like to be brave and like drive down that road at night kind of stuff and so that's why i've always really liked ghost stories so and that's why we're going to share it with y'all since it's october it is the month for storytelling and spooky storytelling and make you shiver and make you hug your loved ones a little bit closer because you're a little bit more scared than normal um so yeah like i said hopefully you enjoy if not you know where to find me you know where to at me (laughs) the first story though that we're going to talk about this month happens to be or takes place in i want to say little town odessa texas but i don't actually know how big or small odessa is so at the local high school in odessa texas in the theater uh, auditorium or department whatever you want to call it strange things have been happening and students all the way back from like when I graduated in the early 2000s, I've told stories and tales of being in the auditorium and the lights flickering at weird parts or maybe a book falling off the shelf for no reason, things getting knocked over for no reason. Like, it's kind of weird stuff. But then there's some even crazier stories of uh, one kid talk, or well, he's a grown ass man now, but talks about how he went upstairs uh, after a show after a performance to you know turn off the sound and the lights and everything and when he came back downstairs um, his mother noticed there was like pink or purple lipstick on his arm which was really weird because he didn't recall anyone kissing him there and he thought it was really strange that if someone did kiss him there like that's weird and he probably would have remembered it like and he couldn't recall like it happening like if they were like all hugging and someone just kissed his arm which might have happened but he he claims to never notice that or anything so he, he thought that was a really weird thing but then people said oh that's the ghost of betty just telling you you did a good job and, and that's who our story revolves around a young girl named betty who was a just a, a girl grown who grew up in the 1960s on the wrong side of the tracks, met a boy, a football star, and uh, fell in love. Things happened, and it ends up with her being murdered. But how and everything that in between from this romance turned sour is quite crazy. But um, there's some other stories that we've heard that, like, hey, even now, if you want to, you can go to the Odessa Auditorium and you can see Betty. The students have said that they leave treats on the doorstep. I don't know what they mean by treats, um, food, Twix. I don't know. what uh, Would Betty even, the ghost of Betty even know what's good nowadays? Because I think things have changed so much. I mean, 
there is the original Coke that's back, so maybe you could put that there. Anyway, but yeah, apparently you leave treats on the doorstep, go back to your car and flash your lights, and you're able to see like the shape of Betty in the doorway there to um, gather the treats. And they said even in the um, theater balcony, sometimes you could see a figure. Like they, There's been multiple stories where people have said they've seen a figure standing up in the theater balcony over watching the play, which is kind of creepy and kind of cool. But yeah, so this is generations, man. This goes from as recently as like five years ago was the earliest story I've heard to way back in the like 70s and 80s uh, when some of the first stories about the ghost of Betty um, were coming out. So if you like theater, you like ghosts, but you're not really a big fan of Phantom of the Opera, maybe check out Odessa, Texas and go try to see a ghost for yourself. But it's more than just that, man. Like, what happened to Betty? Like, what went down to, one, her death, and then all this other stuff? So to get back to the bottom of everything, you got to go back to uh, 1960s in Odessa, Texas. Back when the oil fields were flowing, and so was the racism. (laughs) And a young teenage Betty Williams, who was different. Um, Some people would say she was from the wrong side of the tracks. Some would call her a fast girl, a floozy, a liberal. Um, And I don't mean that as like, oh, fast girls are liberals. I just mean like she had uh, like liberal ideas. Like why can't the African-American students uh, be with us? Why do they have to be in a separate high school? Which back at the time probably would have got her burned at the stake for being a witch. So, yeah, she was a dead girl walking. No. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so, you know, she was a little different than everyone in this very conservative uh, town of Odessa, Texas. But she, you know, she wanted better than what Odessa had to talk about. And I can totally relate to that. Being a young, more liberal-minded person, being stuck in a very conservative small town in Texas, wanting more, knowing that there is more out there. And... I was lucky enough to get out to, I mean, I'm back now, but I got a chance to experience the world and all that it had to offer and know that there is more than just a small town in Texas. Um, Unfortunately for Betty, that was not really the choice for her, you know. Um, I think in a lot of ways she might have felt trapped because... She wanted to be an actress. She wanted to be a star. She was part of the theater group in her sophomore year, if I recall correctly. She starred or was fairly large roles in three plays and being so young and already like making moves on the cast, like that's fantastic for her. So her whole world was looking up, you know. Um, She also had no problem finding the company of boys from what people have said about her. So. Uh, And I don't, nowadays, I don't think that's a problem. But back then, in the early 60s, that was probably like, you know, it was cool if the boys slept around and did dirty stuff like that. But if a girl ever did that, like, (gasps) she's a witch. (laughs) So, yeah, so she definitely had a, there were, she had not a name, but she had a reputation. There, There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Um, Eventually, though, she does fall in love uh, with a young guy named Mac, 
and um, they start going out, but things are kind of weird because, like, yeah, they're going out, and yeah, Max kind of a popular dude and all, but he doesn't really bring Betty around the parties. He doesn't, like, show her off. He doesn't really, like, there's no PDA between them, and kind of almost keeps it's like a secret relationship in a way um and this was probably like i think she was a senior he was a junior at this point so um you know she's coming to the end of high school you know and things aren't really going her way with romantically and then all of a sudden in theater it like the theater teacher tells her like she's going to be no good like she's not a great actress she's not getting cast in any parts now she's being just forced to be the stage manager and so a lot of these things that are happening to her are starting to all come down at once man like all that like hit after hit after hit and it's starting to take a toll on her she feels trapped in odessa texas like she's not going to get out anywhere like she's not going to go anywhere now all her dreams are starting to fall apart and then the one person she thought she thought she could turn to for support is ghosting her basically and things are going crazy um then she's kind of gets this idea in her head like what is there's nothing to live for. Like, I, I don't, like, there's no point in living because I don't feel like I can live. Like, I don't want to be just another girl in Odessa. Like, like the group of girls that are always there that just marries a man, stays there. And she, she wanted more. She wanted to do more. And I think the thoughts of not being able to, of being trapped really got to her and back in the 60s no one was gonna help with a therapist no one was going to like be a good friend or anything so people kind of laughed it off like she would honestly talk about wanting to die and was honestly like and people were telling this in stories like she would come up to people and ask hey would you kill me like i can't do it myself i need help and around this time some things happen and Betty tries to get back at her boyfriend at the time by sleeping around with another guy. Like, well, if you won't notice me, I'll make you notice me. Well, that, I mean, he notices her, but he breaks up with her. So it kind of backfires in her face, what she thought was going to happen. Um, people just all played everything off. Like the wanting to die, the sleeping around is just Betty looking for attention. Betty just wants attention. And no one sat there and thought, hey, Betty needs help. Like, someone should help Betty. Um, and then again, they're kids, you know. They're 16, 17, maybe 18 years old. They're, they're, they're not equipped to handle these kind of things. An adult should have got involved, and no adult ever did get involved. And so, um, after all this, like, things go very south. And, like, she's starting now. It's, like, getting to a point where... She's really asking to die. Like, like it's not a joke anymore. Like, it's kind of weird and kind of scary. And there's even letters that she's written and there's stuff in her diary that she's written that have been made public. Um, I believe her cousin wrote a book about this. I think it was called Bathed in Blood or something like that. Um, actually, I think I had the name of the book somewhere. I really can't remember. But yeah, it was like her cousin wrote a book about about everything that was going on and from his point of view of everything that happened. And eventually Betty is able to convince one person to kill her. 
and it's her ex-boyfriend, Mac. And it's very strange to me. It's very weird. And she even writes a letter and like everything, like to kind of like to whom it may concern. Like, don't hold him responsible for what I want. And it's a very concerning letter. It's a very disturbing letter because she seems so sweet and innocent in this letter, but she wants to die. Like she's like she, for whatever reason, sees no point in living anymore and has no reason to live anymore. And so one night, um, she's with another boy because she thinks Mac's not going to do it. Like she like said, yep, we'll meet at this day and we'll take care of things. So that day comes and she's just out with a boy and then all of a sudden Mac shows up and she's like, like from the boy's perspective, she's like, oh hell, my ex-boyfriend, like my boyfriend's here. Like, but she's happy to see him. Like he came like, like she got her wish in a way because she wanted the attention of her boy, her ex-boyfriend Mac, and she got it. Little did this side piece know that something even more horrible was about to happen. And um, Mac and Betty drive off into the country. I forget if it's like his father's land or someone's land. Drive off into the country, and she's just in pajamas, man. Like she's not dressed up for the occasion or anything. But she willingly gets in this truck and she is like, this is finally going to happen. This is what I want to do. And they go out to a field. He goes by, I think it's like a drinking trough or something, like a watering hole. And it's from his point of view and what he said in court that Betty asked for one last kiss between them and they kissed and she said thank you and like said this is not your fault like don't feel bad for this she pulled a shotgun up to her head and mac pulled the trigger because she couldn't pull the trigger but she could pull the gun to her head and this kid pretty much decapitated her with a fucking shotgun blast to the face and then this is the part that weirds me out he weighed down her body and threw her into whatever drinking hole or whatever so that she would sink to the bottom and hopefully not be found um unfortunately for him uh someone was already kind of like well where the hell's our daughter like the next day um her family calls the police eventually they go through her friends and then the boy was like hey yeah i saw her get into max truck that was kind of weird um they in interview investigate interrogate him he says yeah but i took her back home at midnight and so he basically tries to lie about it already and the cops catch on like oh his story's not adding up so they talk to him again it's like you need to tell us what happened and then he leads them directly to where betty's body is and he they make him say well where's the body go get it and he goes into the water he goes like like chest deep into this water kind of looks around where he thinks he lined up the body and dives down and then pulls Betty's body out of the water, which is the most disturbing thing I've ever read in a, um, an article. And so that's how they found her body wearing the same clothes that she was last seen in. And I mean, he admits to it. He said, yeah, I'm the one who shot her in the head, but she asked me to. And it seems like a very cut and dry case. Like, all right ex-boyfriend murders whether it was because she wanted to or not i don't think that should be her choice to decide you know and 
Like, it seems very premeditated because why would he get weights to weigh down the body? Why would he do all this and bring her out here and stuff? Like, it's not a crime of passion or anything like that. He legit murdered this girl, but she wanted to die. Like, that's that's the weird part. And so, there's a court case. Like, this is this is where it gets crazy because, like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, whether or not this is a 17-year-old girl... Who wanted to die you know she's not an adult he's not an adult but like it's like this kid's got to be doing jail time right like he's got to be in prison for this like it's just you got to serve something like something bad or not great has to happen to this boy because something awful happened to this girl and that's where you would be wrong <laughs> because he gets this crazy kick-ass, well, I say kick-ass in the worst terms, uh, defense attorney who decides to do something unheard of at the time and pleads that his client was suffering from temporary insanity. I don't know if that's the first time we ever hear about it. It's one of one of the first times that this uh, defense is used and so publicly because, trust me, this was a very public incident by this point of this boy uh, murdering his ex-girlfriend with a fucking shotgun to the face and like so it's horrific and they go with this case like his defense attorney gets it where they're not gonna even like the trial of the murder is not even gonna happen they're gonna do a trial about this boy's insanity temporary insanity and that he was not in his right mind at that moment and therefore cannot be held accountable for her death because he was temporarily insane but if you look at him now he's perfectly normal and that was literally their defense like if you look at him now if you talk to him with a psychologist and therapist now he will be a perfectly normal person but at that time he was insane and could not be held accountable for his actions which sounds ridiculous but which is incredibly smart because now the defense attorney didn't make it about him trying to prove his client's innocence now it was about making the prosecution prove his insanity which they were in no shape or way form or anything to try to make that case so they were like on their heels trying to do this and what was like making the things harder is it was like everyone in the town supported this kid because he was a football star well not a star he was a football athlete and honestly from what everyone has said he wasn't a crazy dude like he was very quiet and reserved and didn't really do much he would always go hang out with people but was never like out there you know like he was a model student and a model citizen and then this one for whatever reason this one moment he decides to assist this girl with her suicide by shooting her with a shotgun to the face i cannot stress that enough <laughs> like the most horrific there's got to be better ways man and it's so crazy because then the court case goes on and the defense wins they like the prosecution cannot prove that he was not insane at this time and so he literally gets away with murder and spends no jail time people in the town are not really that weirded out by him at the time like he was still going to parties and hanging out with students i'm pretty sure he was still going to class and all this stuff 
while Betty was just cold in the ground, man. Like, that's some fucked up shit, dude. And, like, the more and more I read about the story, the angrier and angrier I got. And there was a news article kind of catching up with him, or trying to catch up with him about what's going on recently. And they said, like, if you saw him now, because uh, he declined interviews, I mean, I, who would blame him? Like, he probably doesn't want to talk about this anymore because he knows how lucky he fucking is. But, like, they said, if you saw him now, he doesn't, not doing well. Like, he just looks like he's old. Like, he's in his mid to late 60s now. He worked in the oil field and stuff like that, but, like, worked hard and looks like he worked hard and does it looks like i think he had two failed marriages i don't think he has any kids and it's just he's not doing great which i guess is a little bit of i don't know <laughs> just a little bit of like yay for betty like a little bit of justice for betty but i don't know man like this dude got away with murder this dude I don't know. He played the system. He got away. And it's so fucked up. It's so pissed off. Like, it makes me so pissed off about it. And it's crazy because all the ghost stories that you hear about Betty in the theater, she she seems nice. She doesn't seem like a bad ghost. Like, she's not trying to be mean or evil or holds any remorse or anger or regrets with the world. She seems to enjoy the plays that happen. The cast members have talked about the, how they save a spot for Betty. Like, there is a dressing, like, where you put on makeup and stuff. There's an empty spot that's reserved for Betty, and that's what they hold there. And they keep that there to honor her and the one-time theater student of Odessa High School. Um, so, it, it's kind of a weird story. It's kind of a... Well, it's really not kind of. It really is a very sad story of a girl who felt trapped and felt like there was nowhere for her life to go and chose one of the ultimate choices, the final choice, and was fully aware of the choice that she was making. Like she wrote about it in her diary, in her book, and had hopes that she would find a better place in heaven than she did here on earth, you know, and maybe that was why she could never really commit suicide because of her belief that if you commit suicide, you go to hell, you don't go to heaven. So she needed the help. She needed someone to help her. And that's a big ask. The fact that like, you got to be pretty fucked up to like assist someone like that, like a child, a child, like that's how I feel a child. Like this is different. If this is like a super old adult, like in there, Again, man, I'm even pushing it like 60s, like late 60s, like or someone like terminally ill who, you know, they're going to die a horrific death or something like that, like because, you know, their body's going to shut down. They're going to be pain and stuff like that's different. If someone like that wishes to die, like that's kind of like an assisted suicide. I can almost agree with in a way, because like what is their like, if they honestly don't want to suffer that way, then, you know, they're an adult who have lived some form of life for a certain amount of time. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you put a date or, like, how do you put a time frame on a good life, you know? So, it, God, that's a hard, that's a really hard discussion, and I, I am definitely not equipped to have that kind of discussion here, but it's sad, man. 
Like if only someone had taken the time to really listen to her and help her and not in the killing way and like the things could be okay. Like let's give it a shot kind of way. So yeah, it's a bit depressing, but it makes for a really good ghost story and it's a legit like you can look this up. Betty was a, a real person. Mac is a real person. And he shot her, and that's all over the news articles. It's everywhere. And now her ghost roams the theater auditorium uh, watching plays. Hopefully she likes what she sees. Uh, picking up treats off of um, the uh, little entryway and kissing kids on the arm, man. Like, Betty, Betty's living her best afterworld life. And so hopefully, I don't know, man, like... Hopefully, if you guys are ever struggling with anything, know that there's a suicide prevention hotline. Um, That number is uh, 1-800-273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. In fact, I think now across the United States, you can dial 988 and call that number. And it will uh, get you someone to talk to or someone you know to talk to. Because that's no joke, man. That's a crazy thing. Because not only does it hurt you, it hurts family members and people of the community. And, like, you, your friends, people people are more important than we sometimes realize. And so, yeah, I think this is not only just a ghost story, but a uh, something to learn from. And hopefully we all know that we can get help. We deserve help. And things will get better, especially when you're young and in high school. I've been there. It feels like that's the world. Like High school is your world. Those four years are your life. And it's scary to think what comes after and what might not come after. Um, because like you're so emotional and things mean so much and time is so short but so long at the same time at that age so it's kind of crazy you know and now being in my mid-30s and looking back at the time and realizing how short that time period was in my life but how impactful it also was you know makes me understand how Betty could have felt isolated and trapped and like the end of the world at that age and so um yeah, it's a really sad story. But if you're looking for ghosts, like I said, Odessa uh, High School Theater. And you'll find Betty there. Leave her a treat. Maybe she'll leave you a kiss. That's it for this week's uh, Haunting and Tell or Ghost Story. And hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully you enjoyed me breaking it down and looking into it and seeing where the story came from and how like all this came to be. If you like that, I can continue doing that with Ghost Stories. Or if you don't want the, like true history behind it or like the the history that inspired the ghost stories let me know because then i'll change the way i go tell the stories going forward but for now that's how we'll do it and hopefully you guys enjoyed and i will i'm gonna keep them all surprised uh, week to week so hopefully you guys will enjoy uh, next week's ghost story but that's it for this week we will catch you guys later <laughs>